we had to bump him off the Monday night list last night because it was Waitangi Day, but uh, we've managed to secure him for Tuesday. It's Brian Waddle with Sport. Evening, Brian. Hi, Karen. Yeah, I was uh, all ready to go, and um, they decided to have a special day for Waitangi Day. So um, here I am now, and and ready and able to pre- deal with the sporting issues of our time. <laughs> all present and uh, what's that saying? All present and correct, sir. Present, present and correct. That's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so good, good uh, viewing over the weekend, or did you get out and see a few matches and games live? Well, I actually, I actually had a, a very interesting weekend uh, and a very enjoyable weekend. I did get out and about. I was watching sport, but I had the good fortune to be invited to a place called Oroa. Do you know where that is? I don't. I've heard of it. Oroa, no. A-U-R-O-A. I had no idea where it was when A-U-R-O-A. I was invited there. I, I know where it is now. It's in southern Taranaki, not far from Opanaki. And if you drive around uh, the... Um, Roundabout, you know, around the mountain in uh, Taranaki, you'll you'll find it. But they were celebrating seventy five years of their cricket club there on a little ground, and it was a lovely little function. But the most enjoyable thing was I met a man who'd been a member of the club since its inception. He was a hundred, Norm Johnson, and he drove to and from the ground. Or he was driven to and from the ground because he can't drive now. In a nineteen fifty two black. Chevrolet that looked as though it was in mint condition. Oh, fantastic. And I thought that that was ra- rather special to have a car that lasted that long uh, and was still going. And when he went home, the, dr- the driver of the car just drove round the clubhouse and straight out across the park where they'd been playing cricket. It was quite a funny way to say farewell, but it was a celebration of 75 years. But it, it, the, the most enjoyable part of it was, was that this was grassroots sport. Often, and we talk uh, on this segment about the top level, the, um, the professional sport, but this was grassroots level. And the people just loved it. You know, what happened to the outside world didn't matter a hell of a lot to them. They were celebrating 75 years of their club and they did it wonderfully well. They certainly knew how to celebrate. And I take my hat off to them for that. Wonderful. It must have been, the ground must have been dry. It was very dry, actually. It was it was a very hot day, and uh, this club prepares the ground themselves. They've only got one team, and the ground is right attached to the local school, and that's pretty much Oroa. There's there's nothing else there. They're all dairy farmers around that part of the world, but boy, it was uh, it was fun, and the ground was in perfect uh, order. And the most delightful thing about it, and the end result was. I uh, was able to talk to an all-black because they had an all-black playing for the opposition, Team Corby Harmer, and it was Geordie Barrett. And he was playing cricket for his club side before he headed back to Wellington to prepare for what is the Hurricanes season. And, uh, you know, he loves his cricket. I I think he would be a wonderful sportsman in any uh, code because he just seems to have... Uh, a massive skill, but uh, you know it's one of the things that the Barretts have got. And there's a whole list of them. And was he any good? Yeah, he is. <laughs> no, he's actually very good. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. Did yeah. He, what? What? what um, did he get any runs? Or he got a few runs, but he got he got wickets. And uh, the sad part about it was, of course, Oroa were 
celebrating their 75th, as I said, and they were expecting to win. But uh, Geordie Barrett and his mates decided that, no, that's not the way it's going to be. And they took the trophy, which they've appropriately called the Ashes after, of course, the <laughs> major <laughs> tournament uh, award that they play England and Australia for the Ashes. And so that's what these two sides have been playing for. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. And, you know, it reminds you just how important grassroots level sport is because without people at that level in any sport, you don't have sport. They're the custodians of uh, the game of cricket, of rugby, people who play it at that level, and uh, we should never forget that. Talking about rugby, Six Nations rugby opens in Europe. A few surprises. Oh, yeah, there were, and uh, what, a, what an opening it was. The biggest surprise, of course, was the defeat of England in the Calcutta Cup match by Scotland. You know, uh, annually they play for this Calcutta Cup and Scotland have not really been able to get their hands on it on too many occasions. But a fellow by the name of Duhan van der Murtha, which sounds very Scottish to me, scored a try that uh, produced the difference between the two sides. 29-23 was the final score. Uh, but, of course, it was a disappointment too for the new coach of the England side and uh, he'd come in to take over from Eddie Jones. And uh, sadly for him, Steve Borthwick, uh, his side were beaten by Scotland. And uh, that in itself was a, a major surprise. The other surprise was uh, the Italians, coached by a man from Taranaki, funnily enough, um, Kieran Crowley. And they have been regularly the cellar dwellers in the Six Nations competition but they came very close to beating the French side. And so in a year where the World Cup is going to uh, be played, we may well see a few more of the surprises. They play every second week in this Six Nations competition in England. And I'm sure we will see some surprises as those games go along. And the NZ Breakers uh, beating the odds for a home semi-final in NBL. Yeah, well, there was a time, of course, when the Breakers were uh, the side that were hard to beat and we had some very good championship-winning sides. Over recent years, they've uh, struggled. They've had a hard uh, road to hoe, really, when you think about it, because during COVID, they had to basically base themselves in Australia. There was no basketball played here in New Zealand, so all their uh, home games were actually away games. There was never any comfort of playing in their own uh, area. Uh, and uh, they've they've struggled over a period of time, but they've got uh, a coach who was little known, I think, by many New Zealanders, Modi Malore, and uh, he has really sparked them into life. Uh, he seems to want to play an aggressive style of basketball, and, and they're doing that, and they've now earned themselves a home semi-final. Now, it's a, it's a best-of-three scenario in the semi-finals. They get their first game at home, and the... Second one is played at the home venue of their opposition. And if they need a third, they come home and play for that. And that gives them a chance to get through into the finals. But, you know, not too many people expected them early on when they went through uh, a tough time to get into this part of the competition. But they've done it and uh, they've shown what they're made of. A lot of them are household names. You know, we had a time when uh, the, the basketball side were basically household names, but of course the professional sport that is, you can bring in overseas uh, players, and that's what they've done. They've obviously bought well, and uh, they've got a chance of taking a title. So we'll be watching them over the next few weeks. I think the first game is this weekend in the semi-final, so it'll be worth watching. 
All right, the New Zealand Grand Prix, a very young man won it. Oh, I mean, can you remember what you were doing in 17? Here's a 17-year-old uh, Dutchman who's basically going around racing cars, and you've got to do it for a while to be good enough to win a Grand Prix. And here he is winning the New Zealand Grand Prix, Lawrence van Hulpen, his name is. And uh, at that age, uh, you know, young men and young women, because there's a few younger women now um, riding in these fast cars, were uh, doing other things. I mean, Liam Lawson won the event in 2019, and he now is a big name across in Europe where uh, the competition is so intense. But uh, Lawrence Van Herpen, aged 17, took the title. It was won last back in 2021 by who other than our uh, motor racing and um, motor rallying uh, driver, Shane Van Gisbergen, who has been around in uh, many forms of motorsport and, of course, is the um, Australian champion um, racer. The interesting thing about the New Zealand Grand Prix, and you may remember back when the days in the 1950s through to the uh, 90s where the New Zealand Grand Prix attracted such Marvellous motor racing names as Sterling Moss, the winner in 1956. Everybody wanted to drive like Sterling Moss. And then there was Jack Brabham, the Australian. Uh, Bruce McLaren uh, from New Zealand, whose name, of course, is very much associated with motorsport. And you can drive a McLaren car if you've got a few million dollars to spare. The name of Graham Hill, Jackie Stewart, Chris Amon. Yeah, they're all winners of the New Zealand Grand Prix. So there's a new breed of young motor racer. I'm sure when those guys uh, raced for the New Zealand Grand Prix, they weren't in the uh, 17 and 18 age group. But it just shows how sport develops now for uh, many of these young people because it ain't a cheap sport, I can tell you that. What did you say? It's a what? It, it ain't a cheap it's it not ain't a, cheap. a cheap sport. Right. Oh, well, seven, 17 is, I think it's a good age, and he'd have all his wits about him, and you'd have to look at his history, but I, I could see somebody at 17 really nailing it, as he did. Oh, look, I'm, I'm sure that does uh, happen, but you think about it, he's got to start driving these fast cars. I mean, you know, the pace that they uh, travel around it, you'd have to be starting at 13, 14. And a lot of these guys started off in, in go-karts and things like that. We we saw a television interview with one of the uh, top young New Zealanders who started in kart racing. So, you know, you have to have it in the blood, don't you? And uh, you've got to develop some skills because, you know, driving over 160 miles an hour, whatever they managed to get up to, you don't yes. get too many opportunities to make mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, how close was his... Who was in second? Was it close? I, I'm not too sure who got second. I was just fascinated by the fact that as a 17-year-old uh, kid from uh, Holland was able to uh, do it. But I think it was relatively close. He had to um, um, make sure that he kept in front of uh, the nearest challenges. Uh, it featured on the television news, and it was sort of a close finish. Most of those races generally are. You know, There they could only be a car length between them. At times, um, and uh, so so, just, somebody just called, amazing. Somebody called Foster. 
Foster. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. He was second. He was second, yeah. But this guy, I'm just looking at a little article as you've been talking about him. Um, he, he was being mentored by Formula E world champion Nick DeVries. DeVries? Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's got a good mentor. Yeah, they well, they, they have. And, uh, you know, th- there are many skills. One of the things about motor racing is the, the concentration aspect. And, um, you know, the, the pace that you're going, you don't get too many seconds to um, make a judgment. Um, and this, of course, was um, event was held at Hampton Downs, which is now basically New Zealand's major motor racing circuit, seeing they uh, no longer race at Pukekoe Park, Pukekoe, Pukekoe Park, not Pukekoe Park, goodness gracious me. And that's where they, uh, that's where they race now is uh, at Hampton Downs on the... Main highway just south of Auckland. Um, I've got a text here for you, Brian. Please, please remind Brian that Scotland have won the last three Calcutta Cup matches, two away at Twickenham. Not quite how he painted it. Oh. Well, my information is um, is crook then, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> right. Oh. You'll have to research that. Come back to us. I'll, I will have to go back and research that because... Uh, my book did tell me something totally different. Perhaps we're on different pages. Yeah, not find right. out what book they're using. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they can text us back. Please text us back and tell us tell us more information. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> let's go on to the Black Caps. Carl Jamison back in the Black Caps squad, uh, but will he be named in the starting team? Yeah, it's hard to know. Uh, it would be nice to have him there, but he hasn't played international cricket for something like eight months. He ended the, the series in England during the middle of last year because of a um, stress fracture and has been recovering from uh, that injury. You know, eight months is a long time away from international sport and particularly in international cricket. He's a man we need within the New Zealand side. But whether they will risk him to play in the day-night game at uh, Bay Oval in uh, Mount Maunganui to my mind, uh, is probably an unwise move because, uh, you know, he, he hasn't had the backup of uh, regular play. Yes, he's probably done a lot of net practice, but that's not the same as match practice. And uh, he's basically, um, you know, the key to the future of New Zealand in terms of uh, being an all-rounder. Uh, I'll be interested to see whether they do opt to play him because uh, he is a class player. There's no doubt about that. And um, we need him fit. But as I say, he's the future of the uh, New Zealand side and we need to uh, make sure that uh, he retains that fitness. They wouldn't play him, I don't think, if there was any danger of him being uh, injured and not able to compete for New Zealand. Yeah, they have some pretty good medical people on hand, don't they? Oh, they do now. Well, I mean, they've got uh, all sorts of medical people, surgeons and you know, the best possible equipment. When you go to a cricket um, match and, and see the team photo, there's more officials and coaches and medical people, fitness trainers, than there are players sometimes. It's a big photo. You've got to have an overhead uh, camera to take them. <laughs> but it's good. It's good that they do have that backup and that support. Oh, that they, they need it. Um, many of these players now, you know, there was a time and I was talking to uh, a player today about, you know, when you got to 30, you were starting the decline in your career for the next sort of five years. Well, not now. 
Uh, players are playing well into their mid to late 30s. I mean, Tim Southey, who's the captain of the New Zealand side, is heading towards uh, mid-30s. The England bowler who is out here playing as a fast bowler too, uh, Jimmy Anderson, has turned 40 and is still playing. And it's pretty much unheard of that people of that age, and particularly bowlers who take a hell of a lot out of themselves, they are, um, you know, few and far between. So um, you have to be able to uh, keep yourself together. And uh, that's basically uh, what they'll be doing with Kyle Jamison. We need him. Yes. So, so how long has he had this injury for? Quite, quite a while. Uh, well, he's been recovering. He's been recovering for about eight months. It happened, uh, I think, in mid June last year when he was playing at the um, in the Test series against England. Came home and had to have um, uh, treatment. I'm not sure whether he underwent an operation, but eight months out of the game repairing a stress fracture um, suggests that there probably was. Um, surgery there. It's a long time out of the game. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, but he's young enough. How old would he be in his mid-twenties? Yeah, mid-twenties, yeah. Early to mid-twenties, yeah. Right. Uh, now, the Phoenix, what are they up to? Well, they're striving to get into the playoffs of the A-League in Australia. Now, they have six teams in their playoffs and uh, there's only 12 teams in the competition. But they were looking quite strong for a period of time there. They were in fourth place, third and fourth place, but uh, they had a loss away against the bottom side over the weekend, Melbourne Victory. They lost a 3-1, and it sort of dented their chances to some degree. They're not out of the uh, running at the moment. They're placed in fifth place on the championship, one point ahead of Sydney FC. But they've got a side uh, coming up against them, uh, this week called MacArthur, who are a pretty useful side, but they're lower than the Phoenix. And really, they're getting to the stage, and you hear that uh, line so often, every game's a must-win game. Well, if they want to get into the, uh, the the semifinals and the playoffs, then they really need to be winning the uh, the games from now on in. Because what happens is it's uh, sort of the, the top two sides basically um, qualify for the two-legged semi-final match, so it's a home and away competition, then third and fourth qualify for just a, a one-game elimination final, and uh, the sides that, uh, well, that sides the third to sixth, so the best place to be is in the top two, and uh, that's where they need to be. At the moment, they're uh, fifth, and they're two points, three points out of uh, the top two, so, you know, a lot riding on it. Uh, just uh, rewinding a little bit, going back to the Grand Prix and um, the, uh, the the young, you know, the, the age of uh, the of um, what was his name? Sorry, who won the Grand Prix? Lauren Van Hoopen. Yep, Lauren Van Hoopen. Um, so yeah. this Mel says Max Verstappen started driving in Formula One at seventeen years. So same age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's an even tougher uh, <laughs> racing uh, circuit than uh, than what the New Zealand Grand Prix is. I mean, uh, that means that if you're doing that, you have to be driving for a period of time. You, you just don't go and get in the car at the age of seventeen. Um, no, and that's Chris right. Verstappen is the um, is the world uh, leading driver, I think, at the moment. Um, he's certainly up there in the top two or three outstanding performer. And Dutch as well. 
Also Dutch. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Here, here are well, these. Here that's the place to be. Yes. Here are these stats for you. Well, something's going on in terms of their um, training. Uh, here are these stats for you. 2021, 11-6 Scotland. 2022, 2017-17 Scotland. 2023, 29-23 Scotland. Uh, well, I'm going to have to go back and uh, read my research book. <laughs> okay. There we go. Can Is I a- change everything I've said so far? Yeah, go on. <laughs> No worries, um, and you might not know, you might not know the answer to this, but someone listening might do. Uh, Rachel says, "Please ask Brian. Do you not need a full driver's license to race cars? At seventeen, he'd be on a learner's, wouldn't he?" Uh, well, that's an interesting question. Mm, Somebody it? who's a kid, yeah. Um, I mean, you're allowed to drive uh, as a sixteen-year-old, aren't you? That's the age you can get a license, isn't it? Mm, but not a full um, one. So, uh, no. So I suppose there are different licences uh, that you get to race on a racetrack, but I'm sure you would have to meet a certain level of um, experience and ability. That would be interesting to know. I've never really invested uh, that. And off-road as well. Yeah, probably does more on the track than he did on the road getting to the ground. Here, Dad, drive me to the uh, races. I'm driving a racing car today. <laughs> oh, you, you see a lot of, uh, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, well, not a lot, but I do know there are six, seven, eight-year-olds who um, ride motorbikes. Oh, yeah. You know, those little motorbikes, you know, and, uh, motocross and that sort of that's thing. That's right, over and over cross country motocross, uh, that's right. Oh yeah, I, I mean it's it's an amazing uh, sport because when you think about the um, the the cost of um, getting those uh, bikes, cars, whatever they're in, and maintaining them and sustaining them, it, it, it is no cheap exercise for uh, these young people, and they've obviously got uh, nice healthy bank balances or nice fathers with healthy bank balances. But if they're seen as prospective uh, drivers of quality, of course, the, uh, the, the racing teams will uh, keep an eye out for them because they, they know. And, and we just look at these young New Zealanders who are now making their way internationally, um, have all developed themselves in New Zealand. And um, that's been, you know, sort of a, a remarkable performance by many of them. So uh, the young man from the Netherlands, Lawrence van Hulpen, a name we might hear more of. Definitely, by the sound of it. Uh, lots of answers here to the questions. Uh, this person says, restricted, not learners. Uh, and uh, tra- oh, okay. tracks aren't controlled by police. They're private. Racing drivers aren't in, uh-huh. pu- aren't in public roads. And Max Verstappen was racing Formula One before he had a road driving licence. So, yeah, they're obviously different <laughs> regulations and requirements. Yeah. A- anyone it's under... A, oh, that, I'm at... Sorry, uh, you don't need yeah, a driver's Eric. license. Tom Bewley, who is racing in the NZ Toyota 86 Series, is 15 years old. And anyone under 16 years old is allowed to drive, just not on public roads. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because uh, I would have thought that you, uh, and obviously you don't, you would have needed a license to, uh, to drive a car and prove your ability on the track. But um, that's a, an interesting scenario. You don't hear of any... Uh, dangerous situations that they get themselves into. So, um, you know, the the skill to drive one of those cars um, may be something they've learnt very early on from uh, parents, friends, etc. 
Uh, the, the threat it, of danger it's, must it's always be sport. there, though. There must be some accidents well, that happen. There. Yeah, well, but it's there even if you're uh, 35 years and a, and a world champion. That's the true. threat of um, accident is there, isn't it? So, I mean, there's always that element. And you wonder whether it's that element of danger that gets people involved in uh, fast car racing. Um, it'd be interesting to ask some of these people, why have you become involved? And um, that might be one of them, the, the danger of it. And, uh, the you thrill. Know, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's a thrill-seeker's paradise. Yeah, the adrenaline buzz. Must be fun. Yeah. Great, great to do. Yeah. Um, but certainly you're also talking about mentors and um, you know, caregivers, parents, people who are involved at a very early age. Um, you, you know, they, they must have taken them along to endless uh, you know, rallies and uh, to different places to learn and uh, to, you know, p- picking up that sport. It must have happened over a great many years, one would, one would think. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a speed thrill to a certain extent, isn't it? And uh, many of them, I suppose, first got involved uh, by watching television. We've always had uh, motorsports of one kind or another in, in television. I mean, we're talking. Uh, he's a seventeen-year-old, so he's he, he was born in the uh, the two thousands, and uh, there's been a lot of motor racing for them to to see, and the challenge is out there quite clearly to um, to go out and uh, do it. It'll be interesting to see just how this uh, young man develops in his career once you get to a stage of winning uh, a Grand Prix. Not that New Zealand's Grand Prix is the uh, most prestigious of all, but uh, to win one, you've got to beat some of the better drivers that are around. And um, I guess we can watch this guy with interest in time. And Graham says safer racing than on the roads. So, yeah, it sounds like that. It, Probably. It, maybe. Now, I've got a line here. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't quite know what it means, Brian. It says all whites coating debacle. What, what is that? Oh, that's a mistype, isn't it? I don't know, is it? <laughs> what is it? It, it? it should say it should say coaching. Oh coaching, coaching. debacle. Right. I was thinking, well, what are they oh. <laughs> like, like some it's, dentists going yeah. out onto the field? <laughs> oh, coaching debacle. Yeah, well uh, coating debacle probably is anyway because they've gone through the process of uh, replacing Danny Hay as their coach. He decided uh, that he no longer wanted to do it or they decided that they wanted to put the coaching job up for decision and uh, people would apply accordingly. And they thought they had uh, the right man to uh, coach. And so they had uh, a number, including uh, Ufuk Talay, who's the coach of the Phoenix, had shown an interest in doing the job and had applied uh, as those who wanted to do it did. And they were told, no, we've got our suitable um, contender and uh, we have decided that he will do the job. They never named who that contender was, but then many people assumed it was a fellow from the Canadian Football Association, John Herdman. And uh, he said, no, I'm not uh, interested in doing uh, that job um, and won't be doing it. And, of course, all the others had decided once they'd been told, I'm not interested anymore. So now they're going to have to go searching for a new coach for the all-whites because they have made a bit of a mess of their initial appointment. I would have thought that somebody like Ufa Kale, who's done a great job with the um, the Phoenix, would have been a prime contender. And if there was somebody better than him, 
and I don't know who is better than him, then they had to be pretty good uh, because uh, Tale is, is widely regarded, I think, as a, an outstanding coach. The, just the job he's done with the Phoenix. But um, that coating debacle <laughs> might be around for a little bit longer, Karen. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, thank you. And I have to ask, get the lawns done? Uh, no, because I'm, I'm cleaning up the section and there's a bin on the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like how many weeks is that now? Oh, well, that, that's, only a, that's only a week. Oh, I'm, you did them I'm, I'm really going to have to get... Get round to it. Yeah, I'm hoping it'll rain, but it doesn't look like it's going to rain tomorrow. <laughs> very good. I'll we'll speak to you next Monday night. Thanks very much, Brian. Okay, Karen. Cheers. That's Brian Waddle.